Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. I don't even really know what just happened, but it was so much fun. I'm out of breath. <laughs> I am bleeding and you'll find out why later. <laughs> um, I'm like a little bit embarrassed, but also from laughing and smiling, my jaws, my jaw hurts. I know. I feel like it smells so much. Like yeah. my jaw is sore. We just had the most time, fun time with Army. Wow. I can't, I can't even talk now with Army. Frankie. It, I felt like I was in a war. <laughs> With Frankie Armstrong. Um, she's a voice leader and a singer um, and a workshop leader out of the UK in Wales. And Richard will tell you more about her in a minute. Um, but you have to like, she has just some amazing nuggets. She was a social worker for a long time and saw the application of music to open people up and help people feel more seen and connected with others. Um, she talks a little bit about social prescribing that's happening in the UK and some people in her network that are involved with working with different, with people with different health challenges. Um, and then she uses music and movement to help break down people's inhibitions and help them explore their voices. Cause you know, Richard, there's so everybody of us. can sing. Yes, it's, exactly. It's, I've taught you well. Otherwise. Um, <laughs> and I also, Cannot wait. If this is the first episode of our podcast that you're tuning into, <laughs> hold on. Uh, <laughs> this is the Arts for the Health of It podcast. I am your host, Richard Wilmore. And I'm Constanza Rader. And I, would, and I would describe Frankie Armstrong as a hoot. That would be yes. her only bio on her website. I would just be like, I'm Frankie Armstrong. I'm a hoot. Like, oh, my gosh. It was... I don't even know what happened. I feel bad for Ivan who has to edit the whole thing there. I mean, the noises that came out of all of us, <laughs> I don't even know, but it was such a good, like, it was really, once you get over that, like, I, and you're watching yourself. So like, as we're doing this, it's not even just like, I feel weird doing this. You get to watch yourself feel weird in this camera on our computers. I'm like, well, this is weird. But once you get over that, it's so fun. It was so fun. And if you listen, are you, if you're listening to this podcast, you should definitely check out this episode on our YouTube channel. Cause it's uh it's uh pretty wild. <laughs> it's we talk about, yes, it was sort of like a circus. There was some trapeze art. There was, there was dancing. There was, it was everything. So Frankie Armstrong, thank you so much for uh, joining yeah. us for this so she's she began singing for peace and justice causes at the time of the vietnam war and she's also known for traditional ballads and songs which illuminate women's lives she's made 12 solo albums and appeared on numerous shared and themed recordings she has co-written three books and contributed chapters to 11 others from her belief that singing creates a sense of community and life fulfillment, she began running workshops 45 years ago to help people find their voices and at age 80, she continues to be engaged in this work at age 80. And she led us through 20 minutes of craziness. And I was out of breath within <laughs> 80 <laughs> seconds. And her at 80, like, flew through this. Was It was insane. So I don't want to, what I need to catch my breath. So I'm going to stop talking and let you listen to this interview with Frankie Armstrong. And uh, Frankie's joining us from Wales today, correct? Yes. Yep. From our front room in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for, for being here. I mean, you've been doing this for a little while. 
You've been <laughs> sort of, you know, before it even was, was, a, I mean, you've been doing workshops for what, 45 years? For, yes. Coming on to my 46. I mean, wow. how do you, how, how did it start? Tell us, uh, I, I, and I really want to get to the, the, um, the body breath and voice preparation thing. I want to spend as much time on that as possible. So I don't want to take up your entire day, but I want to hear all about you in 45 seconds. Go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to take it back a little bit. Uh, before we get to the workshops, because I always loved singing. I sang with what we, we called a skiffle group, which which we did American folk songs and um, Carter family and uh, blues. And then we changed in the early 60s to a, a British singing British songs at the time at which, you know, the, the, the folk revival of the 60s happened mm. in Britain. And we said, you know, wonderful as all these American songs are, we actually have our own history. In Imagine that. <laughs> yep. So, well, and then, so then, you know, and I was lucky to meet some of the leading lights and sing with the leading lights of that second folk revival, Ewan McCall, uh, Louis Killen, Bert Lloyd, Peggy Seeger. And so I and I was just lucky enough uh, because I love going around and folk clubs started mushrooming and they started offering me money to go and sing at them. So I, I really had to kind of, what's my fee? Um, <laughs> I'll have to make one up. So at that point, I was singing with one of the few professional folk singers, Louis Killen. So I just halved his fee to, to go on my own. <laughs> so anyway, so it meant I got involved you know, through a whole number of uh, ways with community festivals, folk festivals, folk clubs, uh, and then got invited in 1972 to the Mariposa Folk Festival in Canada. It was the very famous one because mm. Joni Mitchell and who else was it? Somebody else gate crashed it. It was mm. um, so, uh, but you know, I wasn't particularly famous, but it was my first chance. And as a result of being at that festival, I heard Ethel Rame and her group of, of women singing Eastern European songs. Now, mm. I had already an absolute passion for them because Bert Lloyd, A.L. Lloyd, who was a folk song collector as well as an ethnomusicologist, a friend of Bartok's, um, made you know, recordings, uh, did radio programs. He was one of my great mentors. Mm. And he brought out the folk music of Bulgaria on disc in 1964. So, and I'd worn it thin. I mean, that was in a way where I started aspects of the workshops because I'd been exploring my voice in relation to British traditions, particularly the women her, who'd been recorded back in the 40s, 50s, even earlier, um, you know, who, yeah, had exciting, quite often quite raw voices, mm. which I loved. And then these Bulgarian women, and I was in a funny little miserable bed-sitting room in London, and I was just trying out, how do they do that? How do they make that sound? Where, you know, where do you have to think of, uh, you know, putting your vocal attention and how do you breathe? And so I started my own workshops, particularly playing around with the women of Bulgaria. So when I went to Mariposa and heard, and this group was, Ethel's group was called the Penny Whistlers. They were very well thought of back then, you know, in the late 60s, 70s. And, um, uh, and you know, to stand in front of these six Eastern European, well, in origin, Eastern European, many of them from New York, um, <laughs> as, as is Apple. But, you know, 
I just, my, my hair stood up on end, my spine went buzz, buzz, buzz. <laughs> and you know, I, it had done that on the recordings, but there I was, you know, in this tent in near Toronto and with this visceral response to these amazing women. So for, I then went and spoke to Ethel, who was the leader of the group, and it turned out she got some of my albums. Oh, wow. that's, so, that's exciting. So, so she loved my singing of British folk songs, right? So... When I was then, Kenny Goldstein, who was then professor of folk music at Penn State, met me at Mariposa and invited me to go to the Philadelphia Folk Festival the following year in 73. So, I mean, I'm, 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 when I look back on that, I was still pinching myself and saying, you know, how can I be here, to, you know, being invited to do all these amazing things? <laughs> But just standing up and singing, that's that's all I did. I just sang songs I loved and people invited me back. So anyway, so the next year I went to Ethel's workshops in New York when I was in New York, in Philadelphia when I was in Philadelphia because she lived in Philly but travelled up and down to New York. And, and we were both at a week-long fight, or maybe it was two weeks, folk life festival uh, called Sweets Mill in California. And so I went to lots of her workshops. And that year, the next year, for several years, every year when I came over and did some touring in universities, folk festivals, coffee houses in America, I would find out where Ethel was. You know, we'd plan all this ahead of time to be sure I'd get to some of her workshops at some for some point on my trip around the States. And um, yes, I mean, I was, I was still a part-time social worker at that point. Was I a full-time social worker? <laughs> anyway, I, you know, my holidays, where I got the energy from, I have no idea. Apart <laughs> from singing. I mean, that's why I'm with you, really, because... I found, despite the fact that I was working as a social worker, my you know, I got decent holidays, much better than you poor Americans. I was so shocked when I discovered how little holiday. I would have five weeks holiday. So I could come over to... Uh, America for a month. I could nip over to Sweden or Germany or somewhere else for you know a long weekend or a week, and and then be back at work on the Monday. Wow! That. So talk about my first-hand experience of how singing provided me with the energy. What you know, whilst I was losing my sight, to still you know, have the passion and the delight of I mean, the traveling wasn't always fun, but no matter when, whenever I got to where I was going and did the singing or the teaching, then I knew why I'd put myself through the, <laughs> the delights of British. Public transport <laughs> and flying and, and whatever. So, anyway, I came back on 1975 yet again, saying to friends, What a wonderful time I'd been having at Ethel Rame's Balkan workshops. You know, and by which time I had quite a, a number of songs that I'd learned. And uh, and friends said to me, who had a little kind of mostly singing British songs, but nevertheless, you know, my enthusiasm said, oh, that sounds wonderful. Could, could you do one for us? And I said, sure. And they said, oh, invite some more of your friends and other singers, many of which we knew in common. But because I was doing social work and youth work too, um, I had all kinds of connections uh, that I invited people along who'd never sung in public or in a group ever before, but mm -hmm. who 
trusted that I wasn't going to land them in some horrible situation. I said, yes, it's just going to be fun. I'm just going to do the same kind of fun work, things that Ethel did with us, just hey and ee and uh, just playing around with our voices. Nobody's got to get anything right. It doesn't matter, you know, if, you can, if you're not singing absolutely in tune, nobody's going to stare at you. It's not that <laughs> kind of event. And so I did in July 1975 the first workshop, thinking it was one off. <laughs> and here we are, 46 <laughs> years later. <laughs> 40, nearly 46 years later. Yes. Were you using um, Zoom back then too? Sorry? <laughs> Were you using Zoom back then too for your workshops? <laughs> I had not the I computers were completely foreign territory. <laughs> so I mean, forget about Zoom. Zoom has only come into our lives since last April. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It hasn't been around. <laughs> so uh, so all of these were actually always sitting in circles. Uh, you, I would always insist, her, even if we were a wobbly circle, that we sit so we could see each other. I mean, I couldn't necessarily see them, but they could see each other. And for me, that was absolutely crucial to, for the kind of workshop I wanted to run. And that had mm. always been the way I'd seen Ethel run workshops. Mm. If it was with 50 people in a big hall or it was... 10 people sitting by a lake at the Sweet Smell Festival, we'd be in a circle. And mm. it just seemed to me to be so absolutely central to the kind of experience. And as a social worker too, because the first workshop of Ethel's that I went to, a women's workshop in New York, uh, you know, I was a social worker and I was a singer and there these women all arrived you know from the underground having worked for the for the week up until then and then you know, arrive oh god oh the traffic's terrible or oh the underground was so crowded whatever and then we would spend 2 hours to, two and a half hours, I can't remember singing with Ethel and it was so evident that at the end we were all bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, all that stress of the travel, of the week's work for most of them. Most of them you know, weren't professional singers, but who loved the, the style of singing and Ethel's way of teaching. So it was, it was the two bits of me, the social worker and the singer, that went, wow, this is such a wonderful way of working. And mm. these songs are so energizing and so beautiful. Uh, I love that that image of everyone just sitting in a circle together and singing together and just enjoying the experience of using their voices. It just, you know, I think our, our ancestors, that's how music making used to be and Absolutely. you would have a song leader someone maybe with maybe a little bit more skill but everyone participated in in music making and making rhythm and and sounds um and we've really in western culture we've kind of outsourced music making to professionals and i love this this idea you're kind of um uh democratizing music again i don't know if that's the right term but you're kind of oh, like bringing oh, it back to <laughs> bringing it back to the people and so i'd love to hear maybe a little bit more about the shifts that you see in people because you were trained as a social worker um and you know the research coming out now around singing especially group singing is that it has really powerful impacts on our our health and well-being Absolutely. and so you're you're getting to see that in person. Anyway, I'm just curious to see more from your observations of kind of the shifts that you saw, you've seen happen in your workshops. Well, you know, I could see well enough then when Ethel's first workshops, just to tell the people's body language and mine. But, you know, I was 
having a good time. They were having a light <laughs> night off from work, you know. So, however, you know, the shoulders were slumped, <laughs> the chin was down, they arrived. You know, by the time we'd been singing, you know, for half an hour and an hour, you know, I could just experience mine and their body language changing the eye contact even uh, you know I used to be brilliant at eye contact uh, even when I couldn't see people I I could you hone in exactly uh I can't now because one ear was damaged so it's very much more difficult for me now I often often look in the wrong place and have to ask people to to you know, wave their feet at me because that's <laughs> I I have to do all kinds of eccentric things to function these days but you know but I can still do it I hope yeah uh, but it was so clear. So when when the information started to come in, what fifteen years ago, you know about all the impact on the brain, the hormones, the chemicals, the oxy- oxytocin, the uh, you know, well, you know about them all. You, know, it wasn't a surprise, really. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, obviously, something goes on when you sing, and when you, especially when you sing together. Mm. Something happens, you know, in that space that impacts on us all, the inside and the outside. I mean, I think singing of of all events is well, I I think of it, you know, the, the image of the cross was way before Christianity and you know, used in all kinds of ways, because you've got the vertical, which is you connected to the ground and the sky and your voice that comes through you. And then you've got the horizontal, which is the collectivity of the sounds. Mm. So, you know, it seems to me it's the perfect activity because if you're dancing together, that's wonderful, but you can't all touch each other at the same time in the way that your vibrations do. So it's a a unique activity that humans must have developed. Well, Oliver Sacks has said at least 50,000 years, but the more we hear about fossils being discovered the more indication is that people were doing art of various kinds way earlier than 50,000 years mm-hmm. so all we're doing is tapping into something that our ancestors were much brighter and wiser and knew with course <laughs> they had yes <laughs> they had a little more insight when they had a little more time on their hands and they had probably more than five weeks of vacation time of holiday <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, was it Our origins? Leaky and Lewin, who did live with hunter gatherers for a while, said that in order to provide the means of livelihood, you know, a roof, uh, food, and and sustenance, uh, sleep, uh, they they work for eighteen hours a week on average. Hunter gatherers. Wow. I mean, Different times of the year was in different cultures was probably different, but you know they had a lot of time for culture. Oh, That's imagine! Why you have to join an arts and health nonprofit to get that in <laughs> as part of your workday? Yes, those in the those <laughs> in the nonprofit sector know that eighteen hours is a work day and not a work week. <laughs> so you got to fit it in with your job. <laughs> Well, and in the UK, they're starting to um, do social prescribing for people where doctors can um, prescribe different social and cultural activities for patients to combat things like um, isolation and to promote health. Can you do do you know much about I know it's a newer program still in the UK, but um, could you? talk a little bit about that? Yes, I mean, quite a lot of people, because you know that we have the Natural Voice Network, and quite a lot of the people involved in that are doing singing for people with singing for breathing, particularly for people with COPD. Mm. Uh, And that's been being researched for a long time. 
with some of our teachers who trained in doing that. Um, there's people working with people with Parkinson's uh, and, uh, uh, yes, particularly isolation, anxiety, depression. And, I mean, I used to do that because I was a social worker back in the, when I started in 1975. I got invited to do quite a lot of work in mental health areas and disability because I had a lot of contacts with mm. people in those fields. So, you know, I worked in mental health day centres, in in uh, various organisations that did arts for people with special needs in some form, so particularly mental health. Uh, I went into psychiatric hospitals, acute wards in psychiatric hospitals. So it was evident, you know, right from back then, the, the 70s, that this was, I mean, I remember one one group in an acute psychiatric ward where all I got people to do after some gentle, you know, humming and gentle breathing was to say, it would be lovely first to hear all your names. If you could or just sing us your names, that's all we need. And then we can sing back to you. And mm. the process of that, there was uh, a, a man, an Irish man called Michael, so I'm not giving anything away, <laughs> um, <laughs> who just sang Michael. And we sang Michael. And the nurses afterwards said they'd never seen him smile like that before. Mm. Just to hear his name sung back to him. You know, so I knew from all kinds of indices that I was doing something that was so simple and yet so precious. Mm. And that's just how, because I was one of the few people doing that, that was how I just got to the point where, you know, that became my livelihood because so, I got so many invitations to run workshops for big because of the impact that was so it's wonderful i mean i do have to say the bit of me that is not in love with our current government knows that they have twigged to the fact that it's economically much more sensible to have something like social prescribing mm -hmm. having to provide both the drugs and cbt or whatever you know for depressed people but it's you know it's you know I like to think that the feedback they'll get you know will will encourage further social prescription mm. uh, prescribing so you know it it's it may be economically viable uh you know but it's also much more socially viable for many people than individual prescribing oh my gosh that story of michael hearing his voice reflected back sung back to him it reminds me of a um one of my favorite quotes is by author arner garberg and he says to love a person is to learn the song that is in their heart and then to sing sing it to them when they have forgotten and that idea that that there's this I think in reflecting back what we see in each other is a way that to love you, to love each other, to say like, I see you and I love you and I care for you. Um, and what a beautiful, simple, like you said, but really intimate and precious way to do that. That's uh, stunning. I love that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. I just think it's such, it produces uh, such a sense of, uh, of communion you mm. don't have to know anything about the people there you know in in you may you get to know over time if it's an ongoing group but it's not essential if people come willing to explore their voices together and to play together mm. and and to be willing to forget embarrassment and self-consciousness and all the things that in a way get in the way and that's why you know I think as much of what we're all doing is to do with the psychology 
and mm. they're helping people to break through the things that inhibit them. Mm. Well, I, that I see that as my primary job. And then <laughs> once you've got people relaxed and willing to go for it, then nearly everybody with a bit of help can sing in tune and enjoy it and stop you know, being self-critical, all those judgmental <laughs> things that get in the way. Are you hearing this, Richard? I'm listening. <laughs> He's skeptical. And you have, an, you have an activity for us to kind of lead us through a little bit of, like, give us a little taste of this breath and, and voice work, right? Yes. I will have to ask Darian because uh, I like to stand up to do that. You All right. That's Are we supposed to stand up to? It means we move the computer and the camera over onto the um okay show. sure we'll, um, we'll, take, we'll take a break and be right back this is okay. if we had commercials this is where it would be <laughs> and my way into voice is through the body and the imagination yep yep that so we're going to start imagining you are a beautiful cat Oh, oh, good. And you are, <laughs> you are waking in a pool of sunshine oh. and yawning and stretching oh, with that yeah. lovely, sensual pleasure. Oh, oh and rippling your spine. Yeah. Are we adding sound? Or oh, we yes. Just... Yawning. Oh. You're yawning. Okay. yawning. Okay. If we're a cat, can yeah. I have a hairball? <laughs> Sorry, I've been through all these noises. <laughs> Lovely. <sighs> and now you've we're changing the image. You're now a cute little puppy dog. You've been splashing around in the sea and you've just jumped out onto the sand. And the first thing you do is lightly panting. <laughs> Taking everything back front paws, and wag your tails. Oh, lovely. Oh, I got out of breath. And then I might take you through, I won't do you know, the whole sequence because obviously it take much longer, but something to just get us grounded, to really feel the earth under our feet. Mm. So just some way of uh, rolling over our feet, swaying, just ground. So we really feel connected to the ground and making sure your knees aren't stiff and locked. So what I call ease in the knees, I have lots of mantras and, uh, and then I'll do various other sh gentle shakies, oh, stretchy things. Um, and then I'm going to turn us into seaweed. Okay. okay. Do it. So, I mean, there's lots of different things I do, but I just thought, so you just have to imagine you're this lovely, bubbly, soft seaweed just floating down through the beautiful, clear fresh water and you on the seabed you meet lots of other seaweed beings and you it's a lovely day so you're going to have some seaweed conversations wow. it's a lovely day but i've got to teach you seaweed first oh seaweed seaweed is bubbly and burbly and chuckly so bubbly so seaweed goes so i might say like what a lovely day isn't the sun shining in the water beautiful something like that in seaweed would go and you would reply so you see you all speak seaweed perfectly and i get people in the group life or moving around or on on zoom i get people smiling and waving at each other or winking at each other uh, while they talk seaweed and then 
then we go to more bubbly and vigorous seaweed, but we finish up. Um, my, I have to tell you that you are seaweed off the coast of southern Spain. So you are Andalusian seaweed, which oh. means you have a passion for flamenco. Oh. And it's now seaweed flamenco practice. So because you're seaweed, you can't quite get that wonderful upright proud, but you can do your best. So we all just play. So it goes something like remembering all the time you're just waving, moving, nothing f uh, f angular, nothing harsh. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 Normally, I have a rattle. I didn't realize, didn't think we might be doing this, but <laughs> if I go, wee, right, then I do various other things, but one of the things to soften the jaw, oh, I love being a monkey. We'll, we'll be a monkey too. We're a monkey. We've been walking through the forest, oh, oh, and then we come across our favorite tree, a mango tree. And there's lovely ripe mangoes, but we're too small to reach them. So we've got to shake the bottom branches. So with everything soft and loose, your jaw completely floppy. <laughs> and... Lo and behold, you've got the biggest, juiciest mango you've ever had. So you're going, this is going to help you. There's method behind this madness. Um, <laughs> this is going to help your jaw muscles, which are one of the muscles we tighten so easily. Jaw muscles, tongue, lips, uh, chin. So the more, and the more slurpy your the sounds while you eat your delicious mango the more yeah just any any suitable monkey sound so off we go <laughs> and then with your tongue lick all and then the biggest rubbing of your tummy and the biggest sigh of contentment <laughs> and so on and then then i'm just going to send sounds darian's with yep. us so he's yep. playing his role too so i'm just going to send you various sounds the kind of sounds you might hear in a playground or people gossiping in the backyard so it's just call response like the children's game copycat right all right so here we go oh ho oh ho nonsense and and what i discovered probably fairly early on but the most important thing that i discovered was that if people didn't think they were quote singing 
they could pitch remarkably well. I did a lot of, of workshops, you know, where at least half the people would have said, oh, no, I was told I couldn't sing. I'm tone deaf. I was told to go to the back of the class and just mouth. But I, what I discovered was that if you did something like what kind of I, I make up languages, I love making up languages. <laughs> <laughs> so if you did something like yeah perfect so of course no and i discovered that you know, people who'd been told since they were knee high that they couldn't sing could hear that those pitches perfectly because they didn't think they were singing. Yes. Mm. So all I, what I learned to do was to start sneaking held notes mm -hmm. and then turning them just from kind of what you call conversational chant notes to sung notes. So people would say to me, Frankie, you snuck singing up on me. Uh-huh. How dare you? I love this so much, Frankie, because so I, you know, I've done quite a bit of study in in voice pedagogy and um working on pitch matching, like it's it's brain science, right? So you're you're taking so when we're singing, we're trying to develop a motor pathway for singing. But if that motor pathway is not helping you get to singing, if you hijack another motor pathway of speech, something that they're used to using all the time. Um, and then you, and then you can start edge, you can start edging over and start building a new motor pathway to teach someone how to sing that a lot of people that think that they're, they're tone deaf or they can't sing. It's just because they haven't developed the motor pathway that they need for so yeah. that when they think that they're singing, they can actually, their voice does what they want. So you're, you're, it's brilliant brain science. Like you're, you're, you're kind of hijacking a different motor pathway to teach them. I love it. It's so great. Well, when, then what I'll do is add in some more imagination and movement. And in a way, this has become my trademark, my, my light motif, if you like, um, which is working in the fields. So, and this was, again, just, just, pragmatism because I moved the workshops into a work a dance studio, the weekly workshops I was doing in London. Uh, and there were no seats at all. So it was tiring either just standing or sitting on the floor. So I developed just, you know, doing more movement, dances, simple dances, stimulating work. So Working in the fields, as I say, is the Armstrong leitmotif. And uh, so what I do after I've been doing the kind of back and forth, call response, gossiping, um, then I'll say now we've turned into the people of a, a village before agricultural machinery has arrived. So, and, and in fact, I, when I was on holiday at a farm, when I was about 10 with my parents, I did go and do some haymaking with them. So we're going to do some haymaking. Uh, oh, wow. so we've got something that we can just toss the hay with to get the sunshine and the breeze to it. So when he has other ideas for you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> the cat is. Oh to be involved in the haymaking. Richard's head and shoulder. Oh, I think. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm dying to explain what. <laughs> it's like a parrot on my shoulder. If I came right up here, I might be able to see there's it. There's a but wagging tail there. Is there a wagging tail? Oh, yes. <laughs> I can just see the tail. Don't know what's happening. There. She has hijacked the whole thing. <laughs> And never <laughs> perform with animals or children. This is my life. I don't know oh, why I'm single. Hilarious. <laughs> oh, All right, we're making hay. Okay. I never thought a podcast could be such fun. <laughs> are you up with, with the help of the cat? Are you okay. up doing a bit of, of uh, gossiping? Let's in do it. Fields? Because 
we're going to start work, but but I'm going to start by call my calls are going to be about some rather scandalous gossip down my end of the village that you're all right. dumb to hear. Oh, right. My. So so you'll you'll repeat what I tell you, um, but with that, oh, I thought so. You know, I was pretty sure that's what was going on, right? So to start with, the movement is just simply again contact the earth, the ground. Yeah, lovely knees, nice and soft, and I will go forward and back and forward and back and lo and behold everybody joins me <laughs> and then i'll start hojala mamia hojala mamia ishka manusko ishka manusko yeah we'll we'll let yeah uh, sorry, that's my fault because, of course, there's the gap, time gap. So we'll just leave you. We were when we're doing it with people who are uh, uh, muted. We we I do the call and then we answer it for people to join. Oh, we can do that here. We can mute oh, ourselves. No. Mm. We, we can mute ourselves so you can leave this for people that are listening. Okay. Well, you've done a bit of both. You know. So you can mute yourselves and then I call and then, and then Darren we'll and I do the same thing for you to join us. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. And we'll that, mute ourselves for a second then. Yeah. And that Go also for it. you can do your own variation. It doesn't have to be the same. You can harmonize. And I always say in workshops, look, if you don't get the same note as me, uh, unintentionally it absolutely doesn't matter because i can promise you somewhere in the world it would be an acceptable harmony <laughs> that's awesome so there's no such thing as a bum note okay so you're going muted yes yes ma'am yep hora mamayo Hora manayo, ika manushko, ika manushko, hoshka bareya, hoshka bareya, neka manushko, neka manushko, zala mamaya, zala mamaya, maya meshko, maya meshko, maya molo. Maya Mulo, Mulo Manera, Mulo Manera, Nera Maneshka, Nera Maneshka, Hoshkayero, 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 Hoshkare, Hoshkare. Album drops Christmas time 2021. <laughs> yes, taking the show on the road. Yes, Frankie, I want you to be my alarm clock every day because your energy is so fun and, ex and exciting, and I want your enthusiasm about life every day. How can people best uh, connect with you? Um, well, why, why don't I sit you down again? Yeah, yeah. Darian's yeah, gonna get me in the chair, but yeah. I mean, we've had people from the states, from Colombia, on our body, body, breath voice. Mind you, they had to get up incredibly early. <laughs> um, people can just email me, that's the, that's the best. I mean, I'm not no good at social media and all that stuff. I've got an old fashioned talking computer without a screen, so really i'm i'm totally useless at social media <laughs> i think i do i do have an old facebook somewhere but um but and i'm just about to update my website because 
I I had every workshop and every gig cancelled, of course, yeah. for the last year. Yeah. So, um, so I, you know, hoping I've had my first jab. So I may even, you know, come August, September, do some live teaching and gigs again. But um, for now, we do, and I'm I'm actually going to. I'm thinking about it. I haven't written it up yet. I've got to, f I'm thinking of doing a workshop called Rewilding the Voice. Mm. Ooh. Just to really open it out to people just exploring, playing, and using sounds from different cultures. Mm. I, I've done a bit of experimenting of this and and it's just such fun taking i mean not teaching the songs but just exploring the extraordinary sounds that that different cultures uh, you know are able to produce just playing with them mm, very cool so, well, well We'll put your email in the show notes so if anyone wants to contact you to find out about workshops can can get in touch with you. Yeah, nice. go to heartsneedart.org, click on the podcast link, and um, it'll all be there so you can connect with Frankie Armstrong. Frankie, thank you so much for being here. Well, it's been an absolute joy. <laughs> <laughs> you got Richard to sing. I sang. Unmuted, unmuted. Singing. Yes, you did. With a hat on my shoulder. Now that... So proud of you what more could you want in a podcast i don't know why else it's <laughs> worth tuning in for i would say yeah. um, thank you frankie so much oh well it's as i say it's been a total pleasure um and you know it's uh, i certainly know that it's singing that keeps my energy you know at, at my age still able to kind of uh, enthuse me in order to enthuse other people. Hmm. That's awesome. I mean, I'm sure if you're listening, I'm sure you can hear it. If you're if you're watching this podcast, I mean, one, it's a circus, but also <laughs> you can you can also watch Frankie's enthusiasm. Um, so I want to thank everyone for listening and watching. Make sure you subscribe wherever you watch or listen, and we will see you next week. Keep creating, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader, and produced by Ivan Briones. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartsneedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create art for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heartsneed Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.